morning, everyone. So glad that you've joined us this morning. We're in the middle of a very long series, 31 weeks long. We are going through the Bible from start to finish, trying to understand what God's primary messages are uh, in his word. And so last week, we looked at Abraham and how God is building a relationship with us that is based on faith or trust. Now, what we are doing this week is we're flash-forwarding to the time when Abraham's offspring became a great and mighty nation. It's estimated uh, that there are between one to three million people at this point in the story. And so we pick up when a drought came into the land that they were living, and they had to go into Egypt in order to get relief from that drought. And that's an amazing story in and of itself, but we can't talk about that today. But over time, what started off really well actually went really bad. And we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 1, verse 11. It says, The Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all of their demands. So this has just become a horrendous situation. The very place where they were looking to find relief has now become a, a place of great oppression and persecution. Now listen to God's response in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. It says, And the Lord told Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Moses is a kind of Christ figure that leads God's people into freedom or deliverance. And this really captures the heart of God, that uh, he is committed to delivering us from all that oppresses us, all that uh, puts us into bondage and steals away our peace and joy. This is God's heart. That whenever God moves towards us, it is uh, his, his first intent is always to bring blessing and encouragement and deliverance to us. But what's interesting is that as Moses delivers the people from their oppressor, the Egyptians, and Pharaoh in particular, who's kind of a, uh, a God figure in contrast to who Yahweh is, uh, to the Israelite God is, in that journey of them coming out of the land of Egypt into a land of their own that's full of blessing, it's described as a place of milk and honey, which is just a place of great abundance. And even when they move into that land, there'll already be houses there built for them. It's going to be a, uh, uh, all that they dreamed of is going to come to pass. Well, in that journey of going into this new and spacious and fertile land, they begin to grumble. It takes longer than they imagined, and the journey is much harder than they imagined. This is what they say in Exodus uh, 16, verse 3. It says, In Egypt, this is now the people speaking to Moses, complaining to him. In Egypt, we had meat to eat and all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve us to death. 
Uh, this is an ongoing theme of the people of Israel, complaining all the time about the journey that God is using to bring them into deliverance. I just think this is absolutely amazing. That, uh, And I think it can be true for us as well, that they look back at slavery and it felt like freedom. Then they look at the freedom that they're in and it feels like bondage. This, I think, is, is classic, where uh, God says, I've come, to bring, I've come to bring freedom into your very soul. And we go, no, 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 that's slavery. When I look at what the world offers, that looks like freedom. Isn't this uh, kind of typical of, of how we can feel about Christianity in contrast to our society? It looks like the church is primarily telling us what we can't do. It seems to be the most restrictive of the two options, that you, you can't have sex before marriage and you can't get drunk and you've got to be loving all the time and uh, there's just long lists of prohibitions. And so we look at what the church offers and we go, well, that doesn't look like freedom at all. Uh, I think I want something else. And so the world comes along Society comes along and just gives a bunch of, here's what you can do. I was listening to the debate uh, on TV. I recorded it a few nights ago between who's going to become the premier of our province. And I listened to how they structure their sales pitch to us to get them to vote for, for, uh, for them. And what's mostly going on is if you elect me, I will use all of my power for your personal benefit. Whatever you want, I'm here to do for you. And they're making sure that they hit every part of their audience, that there's some trigger word or, or, uh, or agenda that they propose that's going to say to this person and that person, ah, they're for me. And this is what society is constantly telling us. We're here for you. We're here to make you prosperous, successful, and dare I say, perfectly self-centered. And so it feels as though um, uh, Christianity and God is the worst deal. It looks like he's the oppressor, and, and what the world offers us, what society offers us, is really where pleasure and freedom lie. Uh, have you ever felt this way? Have you ever looked at the commands of God, or even what he's inviting us into, and it just seems heavy? It seems restrictive. It feels like there's, it's more about restraint than about liberation. Uh, maybe we're even jealous for people who don't follow Jesus. Because we look at how they live their life and they go, wow, that looks easier. And you can just do whatever you want. And it doesn't look like, just as long as you stay within, you know, certain legal boundaries, you can pretty much do whatever you want. And the direction that society is leading in is just more and more lenient. And it's, it's easy to just feel jealous about that and go, wow, you know, maybe I, maybe I think I want to be a non-Christian. It looks like they have the better deal. 
So let's try to answer this by first of all looking at what freedom is. A simple definition for freedom is freedom is living without restraint. That's, that's what the word basically means. If, you are, uh, if you're lacking freedom, it means that you're somehow constrained or limited or in bondage. If you experience freedom, you're with, with, you're, it's without restraint. There's nothing limiting uh, what you set out to do. Now, here's what's interesting about this idea of freedom, is that freedom always has a to attached to it. It's always freedom to do something. There's no such thing as, as unlimited freedom. There's always uh, a direction that's attached to what freedom is. So what is that direction that towards that freedom is directed in society? Well, it's the freedom to serve self. Society says, you come and, uh, well, you know, if it's politics, vote for me. Uh, but if it's just a... a um, a philosophical agenda. It's you come and, and believe in what I offer you, and I promise you the freedom to serve only yourself. And if we talk about heaven, it's the place where you can be perfectly self-centered. If we talk about what you're, we're offering you now, it's you, uh, you, know, you get to be the person who gets the, the genie in the bottle, and if you just do the things that we say, you're going to be perfectly self-fulfilled. All of your dreams are going to come true. This is the sales pitch. And it stems from Genesis 3.5, from the very first temptation of humanity. It is, don't trust God to bring you life and freedom. Trust in yourself. You decide what's good and bad for you. Who else would better know than you? what you should or shouldn't do and what other people should or shouldn't do. You be the, the master of your destiny. You decide what's best. Nothing has changed. And it feels as though um, evil is always demanding less of us. Have you noticed this? That whenever evil comes along, it always presents itself as easier, quicker, more immediate, more satisfying. Don't, don't have delayed gratification. Um, don't restrain yourself. Just let yourself do what you want. And this is always the promise of evil. It presents itself as the casting off of restraint. It presents itself as the ultimate freedom. The problem is, is that what this freedom to leads to is actually bondage. Uh, it, it presents itself as being masterless. There is nobody above you. But society is deceptive. Democracy, in a sense, is deceptive. It's, it, you know, the power is all in your hands. To a certain degree it is. But it presents this idea our society does, that um, we're going to try to get rid of all power structures that seem to oppress your self-serving agenda. The problem is that a self-serving agenda is oppressive. The 
person that we're in bondage to is self. We become our own masters. And if you look at our track record, we're just not worthy to be trusted as our own life leaders, are we? We make horrible decisions all the time that hurt other people, that hurt us, that undermine love at its very core. Uh, we're not reliable life leaders, but society presents itself as though we are, as though we always know what's best for us. What do, what, what do people say? Follow your heart. Be true to yourself. Well, I've seen lots of people, including myself, do that, and it just leads to all kinds of horrible outcomes. Uh, what ultimately happens is not only are we, are we not um, worthy to be our own life leaders, that when self-centeredness motivates my life, and self-centeredness motivates other people's lives, our kingdoms eventually collide. And so we see that the fruit of what our society is selling us is all kinds of division, all kinds of alienation and loneliness and anxiety and separation. It's the fruit of, of selling self-centeredness as the ultimate freedom. And this, of course, is terribly tragic, isn't it? But when we look at the, at the direction of, of, uh, of where our society is going, it seems to make our life smaller and smaller, doesn't it? We don't really need other people in the way that we have in the past. You know, it's interesting, even in terms of, of human sexuality, that uh, what, their, uh, what research is showing is that young people are having less and less sex. That the sexual revolution of the, of the 60s has kind of run its course, and they're finding that young people aren't nearly as interested in sex uh, as they were before, at least not with another person. That the complications of that just seem too difficult. And so now, pornography has taken the place of, uh, of, of sex between two living people. Uh, it's fascinating, isn't it, that even in that regard, what is constantly being offered us in society is to not need others and just take care of yourself. This is a, a tragic outcome, and, a, uh, and it reveals the deceptiveness of what's a society is trying to sell us. Why? Because at the end of the day, uh, self-centeredness is built on mistrust. And when you have mistrust, there's no way that love and relationship can thrive. So what's the alternative? Well, let's, if we take society as characterizing one direction, this about uh, selling self-centeredness, that that's where freedom is taking us toward, where does the church take us? Well, there we are freed to love God and to love others. The freedom that God gives us is not the freedom to be self-centered, it's the freedom to love. And this is obviously a radically different agenda. Listen to how it's described in Galatians 5 verse 13. 
God called you to be free. Here it is. Oh, this is so hard for us to grab hold of. It looks as though, you know, God called you to be in bondage and to have restraint. No, God called you to be free. But do not use your freedom as an excuse to do what pleases your sinful self. Serve each other with love. The message of God's word is you have been freed to love. This is where the uh, work of Jesus Christ and the empowering of the Holy Spirit is leading us towards. So dare I say that only under God's rule are we free to love. That under what society promises us, we are free to do all kinds of things, but it oppresses love. How does the kingdom of God, how does the, how does the, the, the person of God liberate us from our self-centeredness? In at least two ways. First of all, God keeps us safe. He, uh, he offers us a love relationship with him that becomes the foundation of our very life. And what that allows us to do in the safety of who he is, in the forgiveness of sins, in his ability to fully know us and accept us in that place, to remove all of our guilt, to draw us into intimacy with the very source of life. From that position of safety, we're able to risk loving others. You see, in the kingdom of self, the risk is too high. If I go and, and love others and, and give my time to them or, or my heart to them, then that just means that there's less for me. But in the kingdom of God, I'm thoroughly loved and accepted and blessed. And so uh, when I love others, I'm not, I'm not experiencing lack inside of me. 1 John 4.19 says that we love because he first loved us. From that position of being unconditionally loved, being known and cared for, that is the security that we need to venture out into loving others. What this means then is that in Jesus, we are no longer restrained by our fears. Remember, we said that in, the, in society, um, it's built on mistrust. That's actually what democracy itself is built on, is since I can't trust anybody to look out for me, I'm going to appeal to law to be my safety. God comes along and says, law will never keep you safe enough. I will keep you safe. The, 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 who I am as a person who knows you and cares about you, I'm not a cold law. I'm a living God who's come to provide uh, care and comfort for you. And so from that position, we're no longer restrained by our fear. First John goes on to say that, that perfect love drives out fear. The love that we experience in the, in the person of Jesus Christ delivers us from all of our fears. Can you imagine a life that is not restrained by fear? I mean, this is just, this just boggles the mind. Talk about freedom, freedom from fear. 
This is what we find in God. We no longer have to look out for ourselves. God's looking out for us. He has our back, as it were. He's got us covered. We are free from our fears. And that liberates us to receive love and to give love in liberality, in great freedom. As uh, Matthew 10, 8 says, freely you have received, freely give. There's a freedom that God gives us to give and receive love. Not only does he keep us safe, he also empowers us. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Wow. Wow, wow. What is the... Uh, what does this tell us? That we're no longer restrained by the sinfulness and limitations of our flesh. That God liberates us from our human limit limitations. He puts his divine spirit inside of us. And so we're no longer bound by, uh, by our own desires and abilities and strengths. We now have God's strength and God's ability. We have God's heart. We're free. We're free from the limitations of our flesh. This is incredible news. And so uh, what Jesus comes to do is to break off our shackles, the shackles of our fears and the shackles of our sin nature, to liberate us to freely receive and freely give his love. In conclusion, let's look at what Romans 6 says. It, it summarizes this in a wonderful way. In Romans 6, verses 16 to 18, it says this, The person you obey is your master. So this is saying that point, that everybody has a master. This idea of, uh, of unlimited uh, liberation is a false idea. Even if there's only you left, you're your own master. Somebody, you're always obeying someone, even if it's yourself, all right? So the person you obey is your master. You can follow sin, which brings spiritual death, that's alienation, the opposite of love, or you can obey God, which makes you right with him. When you obey God as your master, his power, his love and forgiveness enables you to draw close to him and to others. In the past, you were slaves to sin. Sin controlled you. What a horrible existence to be restrained by a sin nature that only thinks self-centeredly, that only thinks about self, that is full of fear and impotence and confusion, anxiety, hopelessness. What a bondage. But thank God that you were made free from sin and now you are slaves to goodness. It's, it's funny, isn't it, how uh, scripture admits that following God is still a kind of slavery, but it's a slavery that brings liberation. Ah, what good news this is. So freedom then is a journey into a new two, uh, toward love instead of toward self-centeredness. This is the freedom that God is offering you and I, the freedom to love. But here's the point that tripped up the Israelites 
in their exodus into the promised land, and it trips us up as well. The journey from being in bondage to an oppressive ruler to being slaves of God, uh, of his life and freedom under his rule, the journey is through deserts and tents. Because this is necessary because um, it's not just that we leave Egypt and move into Canaan and now we're free. A change of geography doesn't set our hearts free, doesn't move our devotion from self to God and his love. There needs to be a, a purging process, a, a liberation process that sets us free from trusting in ourselves and defining our own morality and to trusting in God. One of the passages that has become a, a life passage for me is Deuteronomy chapter 8. And it talks about God leading us through a desert to teach us how to depend on him and trust in him. That he, he, um, he restricts, in a sense, the amount of distraction and blessing, other things that we could rely on for security and significance. He restricts those things to teach us to rely on him and him alone. So that when those um, physical blessings come, we won't be distracted by them. We won't, we won't use them for self-centered purposes because we've learned how to trust in God. And so when he brings his blessings, those blessings now lead us deeper into love instead of self-sufficiency, pride, and independence. So there needs to be this purging process of adopting a new toward, a new to, from trusting in ourself and loving only ourself to trusting in God and loving him. It's been interesting to me, uh, one of the things that's, uh, that we've been doing during this time of a pandemic, uh, this is also a time of restriction, isn't it? There's lots of things that we can't do. Lots of relationships that we would love to enjoy more and we're not able to, and it still is just so hard not to meet together. As a, as a church community, I, I, I desperately miss this. What we have, uh, have invited uh, communities to do in this time is actually to meet in tents. Now, tents are not great, okay? It was much easier to meet at Langara. There was air conditioning in the summer and there uh, was heating in the winter. The chairs were nice and comfortable. Uh, the lighting was great. The, it, uh, it didn't matter if it was raining outside or what was going on. We were fine. And now we're, we're having to, to see what the weather is on a, on a Sunday morning. Well, what if this is part of God's liberation of us? What if meeting in tents just like they need, they moved from their homes in Egypt to living in tents and then meeting with God in a tent. What if this is actually God liberating us from, from false hopes, from self-centered uh, desires, and letting us, in a sense, uh, sacrifice for him to clarify our allegiance and devotion to him?
that as we, as we die to comfort, we discover the goodness of God that far exceeds whatever comfort we have. And this is what we see in, in the baptisms, don't we? Is that they're dying to their, themselves and living by faith in Christ. So I don't, you know, I don't know how literally you want to take this, whether you want to figure out how to meet in the pouring rain in tents. But, uh, but I encourage you to consider that those kinds of inconveniences, actually, as, as my wife has said, which I, I love, is maybe the most convenient way to set us free from the bondage of self to love and security in Jesus Christ. That maybe that's actually a necessary part of this journey. There, it is there that we learn to obey a new and better life leader, Jesus Christ. I just think in, in, in closing, I don't know if you've seen the movie uh, Shawshank Redemption. It's a powerful movie and uh, sobering in lots of ways. Um, you know, you may want to just look up things before you watch it, but it does have a have a remarkable message. But there's one um, person in um, in the prison that the that the whole story revolves around, and his name is Brooks. And he's just now, by the time you see him, he's an old man in prison, a kind old man. He really has security in that place, and uh, he has purpose in that place, and it's home for him. And then he gets. Uh, he finishes serving his time, and he goes out into the real world. And the real world is, is, is freedom. But that level of freedom is so uncomfortable for him, he can't handle it. And sometimes I wonder whether this isn't true for us, that we actually prefer the bondage of self over the liberation of Christ. And what this story in God's word invites you into today is to move your allegiance, to move your trust from being in yourself in structures that serve you to coming under the loving authority of Jesus Christ and letting him liberate you from your fears, liberate you from your impotence and sinful desires that you could experience love. It might not feel as safe there, but it is. It's far more safe than the bondage that we have all once lived in. So I would like to pray for us that we'd be able to receive the freedom that is found in Christ. Father, I thank you so much for your liberation from our fears, your liberation from our sinful flesh. Oh, let us see you and what you're doing in truth that you are liberating us. You're not coming to, to put a lid on our life. You're coming to liberate us. Would you give us the grace to receive this freedom, to long for love, to participate in who you are, to find security there and to find significance. Let us receive the liberation that you freely and generously give us. In Jesus' name, amen.